Hey everybody, it's Connor. It's a new month. It's a new episode of drama. And I am here to encourage you to become a subscriber of our Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast. You get extra bonus episodes on there where Dylan and I chit chat with each other. You also get access to our Instagram close friends. It's so fun. We call it drama plus because it's all the drama you already know and love plus more. It's $5 a month at patreon.com slash the drama podcast. We cannot wait to have you join us. And thank you so much for coming to listen to this episode. Go and follow us wherever you want the drama podcast on socials, on Apple, on Spotify. Give us glowing reviews and enjoy today's show with Colin Donnell. All right. See you in a few seconds. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, I have to tell you that I went and saw the Chicks last night in concert. Oh my God. Wait, you were sending me some videos, but we haven't actually discussed it yet. I know. I I'm know. so jealous. I love the Chicks. Yes. Formerly, you know, their name has changed over the last couple of years. Anyone who doesn't know this group, Natalie Maines and Marty McGuire and Emily, whatever her last name is, are still so amazing. They put on quite a show. You know, it's been the summer of concerts. I'm even wearing my my Taylor Swift Eras t-shirt right now. But everyone's talking about Renaissance. Everyone's talking about the Eras tour. The Chicks have a kick-ass tour going on right now. It was really fun. You know, most of the, the new music that they put out with the Gaslighter album has to do with Natalie Maines' ex-husband, like cheating on her and all this stuff. On the and boat, famously on the boat that they, her boat, right? Her boat, that's right. And she like, tears him apart song after song, talks about how <laughs> she, she used to pay her husband's taxes, all this stuff. She then reveals halfway through the concert that her 22-year-old son is in the band and he's a guitarist. And I thought to myself, how weird must it be to like be performing on stage and all these songs are like these rageful <laughs> songs against your father. Oh my God. That is so true. I know. Right. It's probably like they're artists, man. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed very chill, like very almost famous vibes TBH. Like he was oh, just kind of uh, like in the band. You know, this you know? reminds me a little bit of like, you know, what an artist puts out there because on this mm. most recent episode of, and just like that, Che Diaz played by Sarah Ramirez did a, scathing set about Miranda and Miranda was leaving and Miranda was like, how dare you say all that about me? And Che was like, I'm a stand-up. That's what we do. Hmm. And um, I don't know, that just reminded me of that. <laughs> That's so interesting. You know, we were, we were talking with our guests beforehand about like what people put out there and on the internet or what, you know, you might feel comfortable doing. And I think fans feel entitled to everything because you're in the public eye. And so I'm sure it's a tricky balance, but I mean, when you date a podcast host, you have to expect to be brought up on a podcast. I mean, my boyfriend <laughs> has known that for the last for almost four years. Has he ever said anything to you? Like, why did you mention that? No, but he doesn't listen anymore. Now that we live together, he's like, oh. I live with you. I don't need to hear you on the pod. I, he, I know all the things you say anyways. <laughs> I love that. We got through. We got through that one. We oh did. Oh my God. But he has said before, oh, so-and-so told me that you mentioned it. Like oh, he'll say something like that. Okay. You know? 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's all good. But we have someone who's a public figure. I mean, I can only imagine the crazy fans because he was on a long, multiple long running television series. And in a lot of much loved theater productions. That's right. And we won't talk about the TV series in specifics today because, you know, we don't want to cross any picket lines. We're in solidarity. Yes, we that's are right. in solidarity. <laughs> no virtual podcast picket lines will be crossed today. So we're going to focus more on the theater of it all because our guest is also starring in a new Broadway play. I know, which I haven't seen yet. No, but I need to come to the city and check it out. I know, I'm waiting for you, Dylan, because I feel like we need to go together. Mm-hmm. This is fun. And it's where drama, drama is everything, as we like to say. And this is where film meets Broadway. And I think that's kind of a fun crossover. So I'm going to bring in our guest today, who is in fact feeding his infant child with a bottle live on air. As I said, this is a podcast first. We have a baby. We've had dogs. We've had cats. This is the first time we have we've a had baby. boyfriend, girlfriends walking around in yeah. various states of undress behind mm-hmm. the camera. Mm-hmm. That's the fun of Zoom. This is the first. We've had a baby. So here we go. Our guest today is an incredible, charming, and suave drama desk, outer critics, and a Stare Award nominated actor. He currently stars as Roy Scheider in the Broadway play, The Shark is Broken, now playing at the Golden Theater. Audiences perhaps best know him for his series regular television roles as Tommy Merlin on Arrow and Dr. Connor Rhodes on Chicago Med. He's appeared in Irreverent, The Affair, Pan Am, Person of Interest, The Mysteries of Laura, as well as Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. Film credits include Every Secret Thing, which also starred Diane Lane and Elizabeth Banks, and Almost Love opposite Michelle Buteau. On Broadway, he starred in Violet, Anything Goes, Jersey Boys, and toured in both Wicked and Mamma Mia. He reinvented Merrily We Roll Along, Lady Be Good, Follies and Songs for a New World in New York City Center, starred in Love's Labor's Lost at the Public Theater, where he met his wife, Patty Murren, Meet Me in St. Louis, Almost Famous, Holiday Inn, Jesus Christ Superstar, High School Musical, Feather on the Roof, and so many more shows. He is a hashtag girl dad and is married to a friend of the pod, Patty Murren, with whom he has a duo album entitled Something Stupid with Broadway Records. We are thrilled to have this absolute superstar with us today, Please welcome to drama, Colin, Colin Donald. Hi, guys. How are you? So Great. good. How are you doing? Baby in tow. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I was just listening to you list all the credits, and I don't know whether to feel lucky or old. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. Listen, you've lived some good life. You have you have two children now. I think that it shows you've accomplished a lot. You're distinguished. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got this baby in my lap who is just staring at her face and looking around wondering what the hell is going on. It's great. <laughs> she, you know, understandably is. I mean, she's absolutely adorable like a porcelain doll. She is. And especially in contrast to the fake tan that I am sporting right now. Normally, my skin looks as you know pale as hers. But um, because of the show, I'm spray tanned once a week and a different shade now. That's right. And I did hear that you have a Speedo scene. I do. Can we talk about this? Is this a spoiler for the for the listeners? Or? It's not really a spoiler. Maybe it's a selling point for some listeners. Sure, there you go. There you no, go. It, it has to be because I watched so many press interviews with you and literally every single journalist is like, you're in your Speedo. Oh, really? Oh, see, I don't want to be like other journalists. <laughs> no, I'm, for real. It's like, it's hilarious. Yeah, Al Roker, I think, turned me a brighter shade of red that I've never maybe turned before yesterday on the Today Show. He mentioned it casually right at the end of the interview. And uh, one of the producers who's a friend of ours for the Today Show was came up to me afterwards. She was like, I don't think I've ever seen that shade on you. <laughs> like, well, you know, 
live national television, somebody talking about you in a Speedo. Right. Yeah. You know, you never know where your career is going to take you. That's right. <laughs> Were you shirtless a lot on your Chicago TV show that I don't know if we're allowed to talk about, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I've, I, I've gotten my top off for, for different, different shows here and there, certainly on that one and Arrow and Irreverent and all these other ones. It's just been yeah, it happens every once in a while. This is the first time I have been in something as teeny weeny as a speed of bikini. Right. <laughs> I love that. That might be the title of the episode, Teeny Weeny Speed of Bikini. Yeah. <laughs> now, and I did see in a photo, it appears that your chest is shaven. Is this something that they're also uh, making you do? It's interesting playing a real live person. Or, sure. Well, I mean, unfortunately, Roy has passed, uh, oh, been passed okay. for some time, but... Uh, you know, a human being that existed. So we are, there's things that we want to do to try to recreate that person on stage as much as possible. And he was a slender gentleman who had a specific look and we're just, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to try to, you know, compliment the, uh, the beautiful wig that was made for me and, and the costumes that were designed. And so we're trying to embody him as much as possible. That's amazing. Is this your first time playing a real life person from reality? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never gotten to do this before. Lorelai just randomly like smiled and giggled. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? You're so cute. <laughs> yeah. It is the first time that I've gotten to, you know, play an actual person. And it's been interesting. You know, I think for all of us, it's, it's, we're super lucky in that all three of these gentlemen were very famous actors. So there is, you know, a huge wealth of information, not only from their film and TV roles that they had over their careers and mm -hmm. continue to have in Richard Dreyfuss's case, but there's like a whole trove of interviews that they gave and specifically from the 1970s, which is where we're looking, you know, the time period that we're looking at to find out who they were. But there's there's so much information out there on YouTube that we're able to go to and say, all right, who was this person in that time period, as opposed to the characters that they were playing? Mm. So thank goodness for YouTube and people who love to upload those types of things because uh it was it did a lot of the work for me <laughs> i know it's not like there's an old instagram account out there that you can just uh scroll through the whole feed of <laughs> nope no reels back in the 70s no. <laughs> only reel to reel dang right good this morning that's good i know wow. <laughs> well colin we always like to ask our guests how they're doing i mean we kind of just dove into the waters of your experience in the shark is broken but are you first well? pun of the day yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> i had to get one in too yeah uh, i'm good i am good thanks for asking i'm tired you know it's it, it is a new experience doing a a theater production back on you know being back on broadway it's the first time i've been back on broadway since 2015 Oh, wow. It's the first time I've done a theater production since Almost Famous out at the Old Globe in 2018. Mm -hmm. 19? 18. 19? Well, somebody somebody will know. I think it was 19 because it was right before the pandemic. It was sometime before the pandemic. Yeah. You know, and it's the first time that I'm doing it since we have had both Cecily and Lorelai. Mm. So it's a new experience. We don't live in the city anymore. So you have two kids under the age of three. I've got a commute 
and the schedule that goes along with rehearsing and going through tech and previews and now into the run of a show on Broadway. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just sort of getting used to it. And I, I would be totally remiss if I didn't give so much credit to my wonderful wife, partner, mother of my children, Patty Murin, who you guys know and love. Oh, yes. She's just, it's amazing. And not, nothing of what I am doing would be remotely possible if it weren't for her. Just period, full stop. Mm. That's so beautiful. I love that you're giving her flowers. She told us all about you two moving out of um, the city and up to this house during the pandemic and it's kind of crazy, like over the last couple of years, you know, actually, well, since the time you've done, you know, eight shows a week, how much your life has changed? Yeah, I mean, it's completely different. It was a it was a lifestyle change that I don't think any either one of us really expected. I think, you know, we always had this place. We were lucky enough to to be in a position where we could think about buying a a, a home outside of the city to uh visit every once in a while and when the pandemic happened and everything shut down in new york we thought we were coming up for a couple of weeks and we ended up staying for now three plus years and <laughs> we've got two kids and in addition to the two dogs and right. <laughs> the house and a couple of cars and it's a wild change of just like brains we're just in a in a very different place than where we started a couple of years ago yeah all for the better I mean, it's it's great. It's like, I love this life. To be honest, I love New York City, but I don't necessarily miss living there full time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I would do with two kids in New York City. So, you know, hats off to the parents that, that do it. It's so impressive. Yeah. But I love having the space and, and you know, being able to let the dogs run around and let the kids run around. And it's, it's wonderful up here. Aw, I love that. And when you were... On TV, were you living in, <laughs> did they film in Chicago? We did, yeah. We, did? Okay. Uh, we filmed the entire thing in Chicago. So uh, Chicago was home for about 10 months out of the year uh, wow. for, a, for a few years. And all that time, Patty was doing, I think from the second year that we were there, Patty was either doing Frozen in Denver when they did their out-of-town run, mm -hmm. uh, or she was doing it here on Broadway. Wow. So there was a lot of commuting involved, and we've been in a few different places since yeah. uh, in the last like 10 years or so. We've been in Chicago. We've been gotten to, we did a Hallmark movie over in Iceland. We did oh, a right. Mal I remember Malta that. of all places. <laughs> I ended up shooting a, a television show over in Australia for seven months. Wow. Gosh. Which was wonderful. And I was lucky. It was before Lorelai came around, but I had Cecily and Patty with me for most of the time that we were over there. So yeah, we've been sort of nomadic. Yeah. <laughs> what made you feel like now was the right time to jump back into the Broadway schedule? I mean, the timing of it all was spectacular. And I've, I feel really, really fortunate that any work showed up at the time mm. when you know these strikes are happening because it's such a tumultuous time in the film and television world. And while people are fighting for basic living wages and um, to be able to still continue to make a living and doing something that I missed desperately is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And when the script came along uh, and the audition showed up, I was just fascinated by the concept of the show. Yeah. And then when I got into the script and saw how funny it was and then how sort of surprisingly moving it was as well, I, you know, I was very excited to audition and hoped that things would work out and 
thankfully they did. Because <laughs> it just felt like the right time to be getting back to the stage. I it, It's something that I always miss when I'm not doing it. You know, people sometimes ask about which do I prefer more, stage or, or film. And, and the fact is, it's just apples and oranges. I miss one when I'm doing the other. And, and mm-hmm. it's been quite a few years since I got to do some stage. And man, it's like a drug. Mm-hmm. And I just missed it. I love the rehearsal process. I love being in a room with a bunch of people and dissecting a, a small amount of material. And to get that first audience at, at your first preview and to get the responses from them and to feel that energy of a crowd, it's just, there's nothing like it in the world. And I missed it so much. Uh, I love that. Now, Colin, we listed all of your credits. You've done um, even more things than I knew you'd done, to be honest. I mean, we told you before we're fans. Same. I didn't even realize like how booked you've been. But we ask all of our guests about how they got into it, you know, whether it be you were watching a performance or, a, you know, a concert, a choir, you were in choir, you were in a play, you were reading a book. I don't know what got you into the arts, but we borrow the term Ring of Keys from the musical Fun Home because we think of it as a moment of recognition when you were consuming that content and you realize, oh, my God, I see this within myself and I need to be a part of it. Yeah, there's a couple of things, actually. I was really fortunate. So a lot of people know about uh, a theater called the Muni in St. Louis. St. Louis is where I'm from. And I was very fortunate as a kid to have access to going to the Muni. They keep a section of free seats available in the in the back of the theater. And for those of you who don't know what the Muni is, it's a 10,000, 11,000 seat outdoor auditorium theater in the middle of a giant park in St. Louis, Missouri. And there's a section of free seats at the back. And so sometimes my parents would take me to that. And there's also a member of my extended family, my great, great aunt. They were benefactors of Muni for since 1946, I believe, 1948. And they had front row seats to the Muni forever since then. So every once in a while, I would get to go see shows there. And I remember seeing Tommy Toon as a kid in Bye Bye Birdie. And that's the one, like I saw countless shows over the years when I was growing up, but that was one that really stuck out in my brain of like just watching a master do something. And I didn't know at the time, but it just stuck deep inside my brain of watching that I knew in my bones that I was watching somebody do something amazing. Mm. And then when I was in high school, I broke my ankle playing football. It's a total Troy Bolton high school musical story. (laughs) (laughs) I broke my ankle playing football. And uh, my mom at some point was like, well, you got to do something after school. Like maybe go audition for the musical. And I did. And we were doing Barnum and I could juggle. So I juggled for the audition. And then the choir teacher, her name was Karen Flasher. She has unfortunately passed on since then. She said, can you sing happy birthday for me? I said, well, I don't really sing. And she was like, I just do it anyways. And so I sang happy birthday and she recognized something in me that I didn't know was there and really was instrumental in fostering that over the time that I was in high school and instilling a deep love of music and singing and performing 
all throughout those four years. And, you know, without her encouragement and the, the encouragement of all of my teachers in high school and, you know, the support of my parents, I don't think that I would be doing what I'm doing to this day. Wow. Did you ever get to bring her to see anything that you did professionally? I, I can't remember exactly when she passed, but I think that she was able to see some of the stuff that I did at the uni during my time in college. I would, I would go back every summer in the years that I was in college to go back and do two or three shows in the ensemble there. And it was great. Yeah. So I think that she got to see some stuff. And, you know, I remember getting a, getting an email from her daughter to tell me that she had passed away. And, you know, I, I was glad that she had been able to see my career start to take off a little yeah. bit. Um, and I, I hope that she would be very proud of seeing where I've gotten to. Oh, blown away. I'm sure ever since that juggling and happy birthday. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's so special to everyone. Thank your teachers, you know, thanks Seriously, to the ones that, the yes. that uh, encouraged you. She's totally proud of you. What would you say your proudest professional achievement has been? Oh, Ali, I think it's the fact that I've been able to do a variety of things. They haven't been all, you know, I've been able to do song and dance roles and uh, I've been able to do bad guys on television. <laughs> and I've been able to uh, play the good guys. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I've had a. <laughs> She's like, why didn't you say me? <laughs> I mean, you're not a professional achievement. Kiddo. <laughs> you are an achievement, though, certainly. Aww. Yeah. The thing I love most about my career, A, is the fact that I've been able to keep working and that people continue to want to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me feel proud of how I conduct myself and the fact that people, you know, the same directors want to keep working with me. And I've continued to have great relationships with everybody that I've, I've worked with over the years. And I just, I love the, the fact that I, I keep getting the opportunity to hop back and forth between stage and television and film. You know, it just keeps going. I love that. I, I love to work. I mean, period. Pretty much love to do anything. I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic in that way. I just, I love what we do. I enjoy a challenge. So when anything, anything new is presented to me that feels like something I haven't gotten to do before, I get really excited about it. I mean, I think it's a testament to, you know, you mentioned that you'd spend 10 months out of the year living somewhere else or, you know, filming something, but you'd always seem to make your way back to do like something in New York, whether it be like songs for a new world, which I got to see you do, or merrily you know things like that where you you still get to like get scratch that theater itch how did you start working with new york city center is it always been sort of like the same team that's brought you back or somewhat i mean they've had some changes in the leadership over the years certainly since i started but follies was my first show there and that was on the heels of doing meet me in st louis down at down at the irish repertory theater downtown Yes. <laughs> and they, it was a wonderful production down there. And the casting director that was handling City Center at the time uh, saw the show and they had Victor Garber already slated for, for Follies. And he was like, that guy, he would be, <laughs> you know, he might be a great, great young Victor Garber. You weren't buddy, right? Uh, no, no, no. It was a uh, young, young Ben. That's right. Okay. Okay. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. There we go. <laughs> this is going to be the funniest podcast ever. I think it's so, it's fun. We love it. It's so cute that you know how to like 
snap her out of it. Like she's yeah. not just, she gets upset and you're like, hang on. You just like switch her position or whatever. You're such a, an experienced father. She's such a super chill baby. And there's only two things that she cries about, either having a full diaper or she's hungry or she's bored. She might be bored. Yeah, a little bored in here. I cry about those things too, so I get it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> it's the full diaper one that really right. is concerning right now, Connor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll get into it later, Colin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was Follies that really started that relationship, and I was I I've loved going back over the years to be able to do Merrily, and I remember auditioning for Merrily for James, and and thinking about doing another Sondheim show, and one that I absolutely adored, and thinking about you know one that had such a troubled history of not really working and then seeing if we could make it work in 10 days <laughs> <laughs> again you love a challenge i do i do i learned how to play piano for it and yes that theater is such a special place um and what they do is insane but incredible and the and the audiences that come to see these shows and to experience those scores really you know it's changed a bit since i first started there and and what is what the expectation is of the productions but right but it's beautiful to have these one offs of these incredible scores that don't see the light of day as often i mean lady be good is is one of those shows that you know i got to do that with patty incredible there yeah. the fact that tommy toon was in it sign me up in a heartbeat come on full circle it was it was such <laughs> a moment and i he was such a wonderful kind gentleman and i was barely there because my part was gloriously small <laughs> and fun because i got to be opposite patty but he loved patty and that made me so happy ah that's so cute oh my gosh well, I mean, speaking of like, you know, people come and they they just want to hear these scores. When Songs for New Worlds came back and just those first couple of notes at the beginning of New World, the opening, the crowd went nuts. It was like, people use this term all the time now after the Into the Woods revival where everyone's like, it was a rock concert, but it truly was a rock concert at Songs for New World. And now that album is to me just the requisite recording. I mean, it's so beautiful. You and Slaya Pfeiffer's duets are just so incredible on there and you were the last piece of the puzzle if i remember correctly i think i was yeah mm -hmm. what an incredible lineup of performers you know it, i love my voice and i love singing but to be in a group like that with solea and shoshana bean and michael mm -hmm. kilgore all of whom are just out of this world vocalists and wonderful actors but my god the things that they can do with with their voices. <laughs> I felt like I was a novice compared to them in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it was it was incredible to sit in that rehearsal room and just be blown away by their interpretations of these gorgeous songs. And like a lot of people, I was I came up with that original recording and loved it so much. It was such a cult hit that lives in so many people's memories. Oh yeah. That first night when we had an audience and you know, somebody had mentioned that there were people lining up around the block to get in and try to get tickets for it. It's it's awesome. It's it's so incredible to be a part of something like that, that, you know, thankfully lives on in our recording. But it's mm -hmm. I mean, it's more important that it lives on in a lot of people's memories. You know, I was there at that concert. It's, mm -hmm. it's those moments. That's the beauty of theater. It's the it's the beauty of something that is irreplaceable in its 
temporary nature. Mm. Now you mentioned where you got to work with Patty at City Center. We, we've talked about her a lot. It's, it's hard to not mention her. You know, we love her so much too. And I'm curious about the origins of your love story, which was at the public, right? Yeah. So funny thing, Patty and I have known each other since I first moved to the city in 2005, six, six, okay. five. We met at a bar through a, through a mutual friend. That was it. Like we just were at a birthday party, hanging out at a bar that doesn't exist on the Upper West Side. And, and um, we met each other stayed friends, nothing ever happened. And then come doing Love Slavers Lost in the park, it was just, you know, one of those right time, right place kind of situations. I saw her the night before we started rehearsals. I was like, oh man, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> and it was great. It, it was such a magical summer. It was a summer of love, duh. But it was, Aww. there was so many people that were instrumental in us finding our way to each other not the least of which was Michael Friedman, who, you know, has sadly passed away. It's the third person I've mentioned on this podcast already that's passed away. That's um, <laughs> a lot. You're giving them their flowers. It's nice that you can pay tribute to them. You know, Michael was, he was such a special person who was an even more beautiful person than he was a composer, which is saying a lot because almost more than anyone else, I just loved singing his work. There was something about it that once you got it, you got it. It was so funny and witty and smart and deep and beautiful and feel really lucky that I got to sing some a, a lot of his stuff over the years. And so, yeah, him and Alex and it's just there's so many people that summer that, you know, helped us find our way to each other. And it worked out so well. I mean, look at what we've got here. <laughs> you can you all can hear at home. She's going to probably eat the microphone now. Yep. Is she named after Lorelai Gilmore from Gilmore Girls? All right. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a joke. When we were, when we were figuring out a, a, a second name, <laughs> she threw that out there and I was like, Gilmore Girls? She's like, well, yeah, but it's just a beautiful name. Yeah. And I was like, it is a beautiful name. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I thought I was just being cute about it. Like, no, that's so no, you kind of hit it on the head. <laughs> it is a great name and it's not a common name either. So no, that was a big prerequisite for both of our girls names. And there's an easy way for everybody to find out. If you go to the Social Security Administration's website, you too can find out where your name falls on the list of popular names uh -oh. in the world or in the US in any given year. That's so interesting. Is it triggering that my name's Connor and you played a Connor for years? So many of my character names have been so close to my own name. And uh, yeah, I thought I misread your name at first when I was looking at it. I was like, oh, God, another one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we were almost Colin and Dylan, actually. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they are pretty close. Yeah. I wonder if it would have been Colin with one L or two L's there. I think one. I think one. Really the only way to do it. Yeah. Right. There's no need for that extra one. No, but it, look, if anybody out there is listening with two L's in your name. I respect you. You've got a great name still. <laughs> and it's not their fault. It's not, it's their not fault. your fault. My name has two N's, so I guess it could be the same. Similar argument there, but... It's kind of funny because like, it's all game when your name's yeah. a kid. <laughs> right. like, there are no rules. You can name your kid whatever you want, obviously. Uh -huh. <laughs> but we, uh, we feel like we got 
a couple of pretty apt fun names for our for our little girls and you didn't name them after any uh past roles or anything well funny not roles but cecily is named after a song in fly by night that patty did at playwrights horizon there was a, a a beautiful song that peter friedman got to sing called cecily smith it is the most gorgeous like just ode from uh, a man about uh, his deceased wife oh. talking to his son about how they first met. And there's a beautiful line in it. Uh, Life is not the things that you do. It's who you're doing them with. Oh, I love that. And there was something about the name Cecily that stuck with us. And she did that long before we ever thought about having kids. And both of us at the time, I, I remember we were, we were probably having drinks one night and we were saying, yeah, that'd be a great name for a little girl, wouldn't it? <laughs> Cut to five years later. Yeah. We had our own little Cecily. That's a really beautiful story. I'm sure a lot of female names were ruined for y'all from being part of Bachelor Nation for so long <laughs> that you couldn't think of a name without associating it with some person who made a fool of themselves on national television. Yeah. Patty is pretty entrenched in the uh, in the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise. Yes. Monday nights have never been the same since, uh, since she and I started dating. <laughs> That's supposed to be your night off, too. Yeah. It's always so surprising. I'm like, every time it comes to an end or one of the seasons comes to an end, I'm like, oh, man, phew, got a, got a little bit of the time off. And then she's like, next Monday night, it's the beginning of the next one. I'm like, really? It, it just ended. Yeah, they've always got them lined up. But here's the thing. I talk a big game about not enjoying myself when I'm watching it. But the fact is, within about five minutes, I've got really intense opinions about every contestant that is on that show. (laughs) Isn't it funny how that works? Can't help myself. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, Colin, not to change the subject too much, but speaking of you and Patty, you know, working together, et cetera, in doing research for you, I had no idea you were in Wicked. Did you two ever cross over in Wicked or was it different companies? Different companies. Okay. Uh, I was, I started the second national tour. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I was part of the original company that began the second national when it went out. Uh, it was myself, Marcy Dodd played Elphaba, yes. and Helena York of Uh-oh. Other Two Fame. Yes. And drama podcast fame. And drama podcast fame. <laughs> she was our Glinda. Yeah, it was a great company. We had we had a wonderful time. We started down in Florida. But yeah, neither Patty or I have ever done the show in New York. And we never crossed paths on tour. She, I got to go hang out with her company one time when I was in Vancouver shooting a television series. And they huh. happened to be in Vegas Yeah, they were doing a a sit down in Vegas for a few weeks, and I happened to be there for an iHeartRadio concert that the CW took us to. (laughs) Who was it? Who was there? Somebody from her company, it wasn't Patty actually, invited me to their like opening night party that they were having because I happened to be in town. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll stop by. And I saw her, and we said, I'm sure we said hello and then quickly parted ways. Wow. So this is before you had started dating or anything. Yep. Okay. Yep. That oh is God. another one of those little uh, encounters over the years. It was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've done a lot of new stuff. You've done revivals. What is like your dream musical gig after this? It's always a tough one to answer because the fact is I love doing new stuff. Mm-hmm. I love new musicals. There's a few people that I would love to work with again. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I would love to do another Janine Tesori musical. 
Oh, right. You guys did Violet. That's we right. Did Violet together. And I'd love to work with Janine again. I'd love to work with Alex Timbers again. Genius. Yeah. Genius. So inventive. So fun. Brain works in a way that few people do. <laughs> uh, Lee Silverman, who directed Violet. Like, I'd love to work with her. Kathleen Marshall. I, I, I love if Kathleen decided to direct a singing in the rain. Sign me up. Oh, I love I'm surprised that, that hasn't happened. You know, that feels like a perfect match there. I am dying to do it. It's been years since I've danced for real dance. It was anything goes. And Kathleen saw something in me that I didn't know existed. And that first day of rehearsal, when we started staging Easy Love, she showed us a clip of the Astaire Rogers dance in the park. She said, this is what we're going for. And I was like, good luck. <laughs> But I would kill for the opportunity to stretch myself like that, to do like a full on tap show. And that is one of my favorite, like all time favorite movie musicals ever. Oh, it's brilliant. And just would kill to do it uh, in a production in New York. Putting it out there. We're going to will it. That could that could happen. Oh, my gosh. And you also got nominated for an Astaire Award, by the way, for your Kathleen Marshall directed outing. So don't count yourself out. And I lost to Norbert Leo Butts. Ah, was that a catch me if you can? Yeah, it was. He did have a show stopping number that that season too. I mean, look, he is he is phenomenal. Yeah. Wait, I'm curious about something and we can always cut this if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, but who do you encounter in the audition rooms? Like who do you often find yourself going up against for roles? It's funny, you know, as you get a little bit older in the business, when you go into a room and you and you see people that, you know, you think of as your competition, you realize that if they want them, they never wanted you in the first place. Even if they are similar to you, what I am bringing to the table is very different than what some Somebody who an outside person may go, oh, they do the same thing. It's just different. Yeah. And it, it falls under that sort of X factor kind of thing. What I do is completely different than what, say, Aaron Tveit does mm -hmm. or, you know, Andy Carl or you Andy know, yeah. Carl. Yeah, it's we're, we're we may have similar looks. But uh, Derek Klun is another one, like he's sure, yeah. the most handsome guy in the on the planet, I think, actually. <laughs> he has this dimple thing on his right cheek. He's just very handsome. I know. It's crazy. It's a, a wonderful thing to come into as as I've gotten older and as I've gotten, you know, been more established in, in the business is that like if they want them, they want them. And because if you want to work with me, you're going to get what I do. And I think that what I do is great. And it's appropriate for some things and it's really not for other things. It's more of a fun thing when I get to run into people in audition rooms. It's a very different experience than when I was first starting out because mm -hmm. now it's great. I see people and I'm catching up with them and maybe I haven't seen you in years and we just get to laugh about what we're doing. We're like, we're still doing this, aren't we? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, I mean, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you do your best to maintain those relationships. And so it goes to show too, that the people who want to work with you want to work with you specifically because your reputation's good or you they've had a good experience in the past. So I think that's special about you as well. No one has anything bad to say about you, Colin. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody out there. <laughs> We're not going to go hunting for that, certainly. No, <laughs> no, no. Hunter and I always say when you go looking for trouble, you always find it. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my God. 
you are such a nice guy. You have so many credits we could dive into for days, but we sadly do have to wrap up. Before we end, we like to close with a dose of drama, something that's been on your mind. Maybe it's something you've been binge watching, something you want to promote, rant about, rave about, anything you're just thinking about. And I do have a little drama. I just watched a documentary last night on HBO, the Rock Hudson All That Heaven Allowed doc that came out this summer absolutely incredible it's basically about rock hudson's life as a closeted gay actor old hollywood how he really changed the face of how the public perceived aids oh my god it was unbelievable it's only like an hour and 45 minutes too which i think is a great you know length of any sort of feature film documentary anything like that and it was just fantastic he was basically living this openly gay life but because of the way you know the studio system operated and the way you could pay off the press and you know we didn't have the access that we do now to you know social media etc cetera, etc cetera. he was really able to live his life privately in public and it was just fantastic so i cannot recommend it enough so 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 good and i also have the book randomly that it's based on so i need to read that next oh i think i got you that book for a birthday or christmas or i something. think you did but it's still yeah, sitting in uh-huh. its plastic wrapping on my dresser nice you didn't have to say that <laughs> well you know me i have trouble i either read like four books in one month or no books for four months yeah you know no, what that's i mean fair I totally get that. Do you have a dose of drama today? I do. I am still on my Love Island kick for those who have been following along since February. And I just finished my third series of of many. And I have succumbed to buying products that former Love Island contestants are now peddling on Instagram. And so that is where I'm at in my life. I just bought (laughs) a curly hair product from I.L. Booker, who some might know as formerly dating Lisa Rinna's daughter. I was going to say, I know that name. Yes. And he appeared on some Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but he also was on Love Island. Did he find love on the island? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't? No, no. He was on series four, which some say is the best, but, or sorry, series five. Him and Rinna's daughter did not make it. They didn't. They didn't. So that is where I'm at in my life. Send help. Colin, do you want to take us home with a dose of drama today? I have really been into, I've been following a lot of concerts that have been going on this summer. Like you guys mentioned before, I did get to go see the Eras tour. Yes. And it was incredible. Phoebe Bridgers opened for her at MetLife Stadium, who I am a massive fan of. Yes. The National are on tour right now. Mm -hmm. They're playing Madison Square Garden tonight, actually. (gasps) But I have a show, so I will not be there. But they just released two new singles yesterday that were on repeat in my dressing room all evening long <laughs> while I was doing the show last night and on my drive home. And Sigaros, who is a uh, Icelandic um, group, sort of progressive rock group, I, I, I just, I love them. I've loved them for so long. They were just, they just played a show at the, at the Beacon Theater mm-hmm. with the Wordless Orchestra and they're playing tonight in Brooklyn. Uh, I've been following him closely on social media. I think, you know, it's one of the good things about social media. Sometimes you get to catch little clips and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. On a big music kick at the moment, not a lot of time to watch a lot of things. Yeah. But I get to, you know, listen to music while I'm getting ready for the show. And whether it's pop to get me a little hyped up while I'm getting my wig on or (laughs) some, uh, some slower down indie 
folk rock like the national to, yes. to get me out of the show and and get me home for a night i love it i need to get into the national i love everything that they've done with taylor with taylor <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> me too way to go i was gonna say <laughs> i've come across my desk but yeah we'll go with that <laughs> definitely all the stuff they've done with taylor but i love the recommendation i mean the desners are amazing and the fact that when they all the songs that they have produced for her and i i had the opportunity to go backstage at a national show up in port chester and meet those guys and have a conversation with them. And um, he was talking about working. He, I asked him what it was like to work with Taylor and he, mm-hmm. the most amazing things to say about her. He was like, she's incredible. You know, we sent her songs, we sent her, you know, a, a bunch of files of some bones of songs that we were working on or that I had in, in our pocket. And she sent lyrics back like 24 hours later for six different songs. The bones are good. Yeah, she's an incredible songwriter, and the two that match between them and her is just incredible. Yeah, it's magic. So you'd say you're you're like a folklore evermore type era. Yes, yes, but I, I will say like I love Midnight's. I think what what Jack did with the production on that, like, she's <laughs> yeah. and you know, 1989 is a great album. I, I'm looking forward to the re-release. Yes, you're all up on it, Colin. I'm- you're a Swifty. I'm a Swifty. I'm a Swifty dad. Yes. Cecily is in love with Taylor. Uh, we do a lot of listening. She does a lot of requests on the way to daycare in the morning and <laughs> on the way back from daycare in the afternoon. You're raising them right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> I will give most of the credit to Patty. Like She's the one who's who's done sure. it. <laughs> That's so sweet. Well, listen, Colin, you are an amazing person. I can tell you're an amazing dad. And we've all been so lucky to see all of your incredible performances over the years. People have to check out The Shark is Broken. Is it an open run? Is it limited run? Or Right now, we've got tickets on sale through November. Through November. Okay. We will be there. We're at the John Golden Theater on 45th Street. It's an incredible show. I know we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but it's a it's yeah. it's a really fun experience. It's a very funny show, and it is delightfully, sort of surprisingly heartfelt uh, at the same time. And seeing Ian Shaw play his father, Robert Shaw, in the yeah. show, and knowing that he created the show and co-wrote it with Joseph Nixon. It's just an incredible experience for myself. And it, it's wonderful for audiences, uh, whether you're a fan of Jaws to begin with mm-hmm. or coming to it without much knowledge of Jaws in the first place. There's something for everybody to really enjoy about the show. Aww. Have a lot of um, Beetlejuice fans come to check it out. Yeah, we've had quite a quite a few. You know, Alex brings a whole contingent of theater fans to oh, yeah. to the audiences, and they're great. You know, I think that, like I said, if if you love Jaws, it's amazing. There's so many wonderful references to the oh, yeah. to the original movie, and there's there's you know enough inside baseball to keep you keep you in there. But if you're not, there's just those two guys being on stage with Ian and Alex. They are such incredible performers and actors, and. It's just a wonderful 95 minutes every night to be able to, you know, get to play with them. And it's they're giving some incredible performances and we're all three of us are just having a great time. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to come. Yeah. Thank you so much for this time, Colin. It's been such a treat for us. Yes. Likewise. Really. Uh, and where can everybody follow you on social media? You can find me at at Colin Donnell, just my full name, C-O-L-I-N, one L. Uh, D-O-N-N-E-L-L Lorelai agrees she's not yes. on Instagram and if I have anything to say about it she never will be uh, but... <laughs> it'll be gone by then it'll be gone yeah. yes uh, but yeah you can. I'm, I'm across all social media platforms but I'm mostly on Instagram I don't really 
pay attention to the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been such a treat for us. And of course, while everyone's following Colin, which I'm sure they do, he has so many followers. We are at the drama podcast. Connor is at Connor McDowell. I am at Dylan McDowell and Connor. I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.